0: that's a growler
1: welcome to beauty and the beastly minute the podcast where we break down and analyze beauty and the beast one goose shooting minute at a time i'm bobby
0: and i'm janae and we're really excited to have you here with us welcome back hope you had a great weekend
1: so, our minute today is minute six, and it starts with the shepherd yelling, hey, 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 and ends with Gaston saying, who is beautiful?
0: So, so. let's start with the shepherd guy. The
1: shepherd guy. We left off with him last time.
0: Yeah. So, there's a high jumping sheep, which is pretty funny jumps like right over bell and then this guy is chasing his sheep and i was just kind of wondering does his sheep run away from him all the time because i mean from what i understand of shepherds like traditional shepherds usually their sheep don't run away from them
1: well it's kind of weird that <laughs> they're there that kind of funny <laughs> like when we first see them they're kind of just like milling around so i'm guessing they're getting water um because why else would they be in this, like, courtyard area? Yeah. Um, And then the shepherd himself, I mean, the kid looks like he's, like, 12 or 14. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. he's learning how to shepherd.
0: Oh, that's a possibility. I mean, I, I would think they'd probably start him young.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I feel like he's, he's trying to keep things under control and kind of learning the ropes and not doing a yeah a, a pro job at it, not yeah.
0: doing the best job well i was thinking do they just like run away and visit with Belle all the time because she doesn't have any other friends so they're like her buddies well,
1: it's kind of interesting because i was reading the uh the the original script which i couldn't find the version that they used for the movie but i found like the the first version and in the first mm-hmm. version it was supposed to be a mother cat and her kittens that were there and were, like, with her when she was reading the book.
0: Oh, I feel like yeah, I read that. Yeah. The sheep are way better.
1: I guess so. I I, I
0: I mean, I think. Do you think they should have had a cat?
1: I don't know that I have an opinion one way or the other. I just think it's weird that they changed oh. it. It's like, okay, Like, I don't think it would, you know, take anything away <laughs> besides the, you know, sheep eating the book.
0: They were able to create a little bit more action with it because the sheep, you know, bounding off and then... The shepherd guy coming and kind of breaks it up more and gives them more action to put in the scene, I guess. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Whereas, I mean, a cat, cats just sit there. <laughs> so, I don't know, I guess not all of them just sit there <laughs> for a cat person. But I don't know how to make them do anything but sit there, so.
1: Well, anyway.
0: So, moving on. <laughs>
1: yep, so we're finishing that's up. Uh, well, I guess we just finished where she's telling us about the story and, you know, it's pretty similar to the story that we are currently watching. Um, and so I guess there's a lot of debate about what story it is that she's reading <laughs> or that, it, that that book is of. So mm-hmm. I did some YouTube video watching over the weekend.
0: What did you find out?
1: Well, there was one that I watched where they actually like figured out what the text from the book was. And it's actually you know, French text. Uh So if you, I think you have to like go to Disney World or Disneyland or one of those where they have, you know, a a model of the book and then you can read the text and it's in French and then you translate it. And it's some like French romance novel from like the 18, like 18 something or other.
0: (laughs) I feel like I read that too. Yeah. So it's
1: kind of weird because it's like, okay, it's it's not the right time period, and it's nothing. The story in that book is not at all the story that Belle describes. Um, so they're like, okay, well, why did why did they pick this book text to go in here? Right. So yeah, that was that was kind of cool that it was actually came from a book and that it was actually like French words, um, but a little disappointing that it's not you know a story that we can that we can pull off and say, right. okay, this is the story she was reading. It was. You know, some weird French romance novel, which I guess is a story she could have been reading. Um, that def- that was definitely going on at the time. Yes, but not the-
0: well. I was. Um, I was just going to say I was reading yesterday that the 18th century was when Age of Enlightenment, and I might come back to this later. But there was a lot more books in print simply available during this time period. There were lots of French romance novels coming out, and that was, like, one of the common things for people to read. So I wonder if they chose that simply because it was something that, I mean, even though it wasn't actually from the time period, it was a typical type of story from the time period? Right. I
1: I suppose that's possible.
0: Although they, they could have just picked... The original Beauty and the Beast <laughs> and used the, the text from that, I would think that's what I probably would have done. But I don't know.
1: Should have been around, Janae.
0: I know, golly. I should've worked for Disney before I was well Yeah, kinda of before I was around <laughs> when I was born.
1: So anyway Anyway uh, we move on. We're going back to uh to kind of our, our run through the people and them all talking about her, and we go to uh-huh. the hat shop, um, which... This is like, <laughs> one of my
0: favorites. It's so funny.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I just... I mostly noticed the the word... It translates to the small hat, so the shop's named the small hat. Um, and she's wearing a small hat.
0: And she's wearing what, a small hat. What do you hat. have
1: about the hat shop that you want to share?
0: Um, okay. Well, first, I noticed as Bella's is walking past, her ponytail is like flipping up each time she takes a step, which I absolutely loved because when my hair was long, it did that all the time. So I just really loved the accuracy of her swishing ponytail, first of all. And second of all, this part cracks me up so much. This lady You see her and she's like all snobby and she's like, it's no wonder that her name means beauty. Her looks have got no parallel. And of course, her voice is not exactly that pretty, first of all. And then she's like fluffing her hair And then next thing you know, she whips off the hat (laughs) and the hair and tosses it behind her. (laughs) And she has no hair. But, like, you can see, like, speckles. It's like her head's been shaved, right? Is that what it looks like to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, she's got no hair, but it's Uh, not because she's bald. It's because she, like, shaves her hair to wear wigs, I guess.
0: Well, okay, and then I was doing some... Did you do any research about, like, hair and wigs in that time of the period and stuff? Nope. Okay, so I thought this was really interesting because, first of all, I noticed on the sign, the petit chapeau sign, the dummy head doesn't simply have a hat on it. It has a hat with hair hanging down. First right. clue, which I thought was interesting. I had never really noticed that before, and I was like, oh, okay. So, it yeah, it was common for them to have wigs. So why wouldn't she be able to wear a wig? But I found out that basically during this time period, there was a lot of wig wearing. It was really pretty normal, which actually you see in the new version of Beauty and the Beast. He, like, wears a wig at the beginning. But basically they had all these, like, extravagant hairstyles that were just too big and too much for what they could do with the hair they had. So they (laughs) had to add wigs. And um, the Rococo style was very prominent during the 18th century, which was um, stylized by like curved S and C shapes and asymmetry and contrast And things like that. And so they tied that into the styles that they would put in their wigs and things like that. Um, Men started wearing wigs in like the late 17th century. And then by like the mid to late 1700s, women started wearing them as well. And uh, the men's would generally be white And the women's wigs would be, like, pastel colors, like pink, a light purple, blue, things like that. Wow. (laughs) Interesting, right?
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. So, um, that was, that's, like, the most important stuff I learned about it. And, like, near 1715, wigs started to be powdered. And families had these special rooms where they would, like, get ready with their wigs and stuff, and they would go and they would arrange their artificial powdered hair, and they powdered it with, like, starch or cypress powder, whatever kind of powder they had and they would put on this they would get dressed and they would put on this special dressing gown and then they would cover their faces with a cone of thick paper so that the powder (laughs) wouldn't get on their clothes or in their face and i just thought that was really fascinating and interesting and funny
1: Ah, uh, the things we do for fashion.
0: Yes. The funny thing also to me in this little clip, the last thing that I wanted to mention was his look of shock and disgust when she pulls the hair off. And I'm like sitting here thinking, <laughs> um, buddy, she's trying on one of your wigs with hair attached to it or one of your hats that has hair t- attached to it. You didn't know what she looked like in the first place. But... Maybe, I think they maybe had him react like that because they knew that we would react like that. So they were giving us permission to react like that in a way by having a character in the movie do it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Did you have any other thoughts about this part?
1: In your research, did you find out if wearing wigs was like a common thing, like everybody did it, or was it more like the upper class type of style?
0: It started out as upper class. The wealthier people could, well, I think that some, probably some of the lower class started to be able to later on maybe, but I believe it was mostly upper class. Depending on how they were ornamented and stuff like that, they could reveal a person's profession or their social status. And the wealthier people could get the really expensive wig designers and they could get better materials. Um, Sometimes they were made out of, like, human hair and sometimes they had, like, horse hair or weird stuff. But I think I read somewhere that this one lady paid a wig maker to make her a new wig style like every week she was she was really rich (laughs) she was one of the really rich ones yeah i was gonna (laughs) say
1: there doesn't really seem to be a lot of people wearing wigs um that we've seen so far at least and so that kind of caught my attention that that this lady was trying them on and then it looks like the attendant that's you know taking care of her is kind of more of a a snobby well-to-do kind of guy
0: yes especially by his accent too yeah so you kind of i'm trying to
1: sense. pull together you know little pieces that reinforce my theory that there are still nobility around um especially in town you know that weren't affected by the curse but that were kind of located here before before the curse happened because that's where the king was mm. so as we go through i think we'll, gotcha. we'll see a few people that uh that kind of that profile
0: right i think you're right okay moving on She walks right past this hat shop and she walks through this archway past these men who are, some of them are standing around and some, one of them's unloading these sacks from a cart. Do you want to talk about this?
1: She walks on the cart, right? And she makes it do like a seesaw thing. And so as she goes down on the, the far side, the in that she started on goes up because you know it's only got two wheels and it like smacks the guy that's picking up the bags of flour or whatever they are and it that thing messes him up and you can see his teeth are all messed up and he's like knocked out and that would cause some serious damage and she doesn't even pause she doesn't even like notice that she just totally knocked this guy out and probably broke his jaw.
0: Well, something that I noticed was that so he's like unloading but when he goes to pick up the second bag, he just kind of like. Pauses with his arms like not, he's like (laughs) way lower than he needed to be to pick up the next bag. And then he pauses and like looks up at her while she's walking on this thing. And that's why his head is right there and he gets knocked out. And I'm like, come on. would you really have done that i don't know but i guess well
1: i think i think that's kind of a theme as we're going through this that like everybody's stopping what they're doing to watch her so i'm looking at the, the the i guess that's true the frame you're talking about which is in second 15 and like all the other guys there's four guys including the one that's about to get smacked in the face and they're all just staring at her as she's walking past and you know raising their hats um right so like, everybody stops what they're doing when Belle comes through town and they just watch her. So He's so distracted by her that he doesn't notice he's completely missing the bag that he's going for and is about to get uh, pretty messed up.
0: Whacked in the face. Well, I mean, also, it was a perfect opportunity for a gag. I mean, just something yeah. funny to put in there. So, it's good to have that humor, that comedic relief. Poor guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I don't know what dentistry and uh, medicine was like back then, but uh, I'm guessing it wasn't very good.
0: <laughs> yeah, once those teeth are gone, probably lost. That's too bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so we go from him, you know, it zooms kind of up from him getting knocked out to this flock of uh, geese, I guess, birds flying overhead, and we get a gunshot. Do you have any uh, anything you want to talk about here?
0: Okay, yeah, so... I was looking at the geese and I was like, I wonder if there's anything interesting about these geese. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that, but I went and started researching um, what kind of geese were native to France (laughs) and they actually, so first I looked up just geese and I was like, okay, these geese, the geese that you're familiar with seeing in America are not the ones that are in this film they we don't just have like brown geese usually they have like these like um stripes on their necks and stuff and these didn't have it so i was like that must be some different kind of geese and they are so they look very similar to something called the toulouse breed (laughs) so (laughs) so toulouse is a place in france and these specific, the specific breed of domestic goose was bred there. And um, I found this interesting because Toulouse is in South France. And I was like, hmm, South France, okay. Because you were talking the other day, last week, about can we figure out where that mountain range is that's in, or maybe where this could possibly be taking place yeah. and there are there is a mountain range just south of Toulouse ah. so i'm thinking hmm these geese are helping us figure out possibly that this is taking place in southern france that's my guess that it's taking place in southern france
1: sweet so another thing to add to the list but I also thought about this, um, not specifically about the geese, but trying to figure out more, like, what their location might have been. And the problem I'm mm-hmm. running into is that France is such a small place. Like, it's hard to say, <laughs> oh, in this region, oh, this kind of tree grows, but not in another part. Right. I mean, this podcast is happening in, in various parts of Texas. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, France is, it's just a little bitty place. So, I think it might be kind of hard to pinpoint it, but... That is uh, good to know. Yes. About the geese.
0: The geese and southern France, Toulouse.
1: Isn't that the name of one of the Aristocats?
0: Yes! Okay, I'm not the only one who knows that. I heard that and I was like, huh, Toulouse. I know that name. Which I believe that movie is placed in France as well, right? That,
1: yes, 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 yes. I think. Ha, ha, ha. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, because I was thinking it has the geese in there that are English but they're visiting yes.
0: Paris. I think they're in Paris, aren't they?
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Anyway, this isn't about the yeah. Aristocats. So this is, about Peter <laughs> so, um, okay. So let's talk about Gaston's gun. Do you want to start off about this or do you want me well, to
1: start off? It, I guess it kind of ties in there. Cause if you're looking at the geese, um, I've actually got it stopped like right on. second when you see the bullet going up towards, towards the guy that, uh, that's going to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, that's completely the wrong bullet for the type of gun that uh that Gaston has. Oh, really? Um yeah, so that's that's kind of like a <laughs> Come more on Disney accuracy. I know. Obviously they they weren't big gun people. Um but maybe they were. Okay,
0: well, let's t- <laughs> let's talk for a second about uh LeFou catching this bird and then when we see the gun we'll talk about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is our introduction to Lafou. <laughs>
0: <LeFou>. Lafou. <laughs> So first of all, before you get to Lafu, there's a lady in the corner of second 22, and she looks so shocked and offended about this bird dying right, like, 10 feet away from her. <laughs> and I thought it was just really funny. <laughs> She's like, she looks like, what the?
1: Well, it is kind of what? weird that somebody just is hunting there, like, right in the middle of town. In the town. middle of town. So, I know. you know, guns weren't very <laughs> common back then. Um, So, she probably didn't expect to be walking along and then have this, you know, big, loud, you know, explosion relatively close to her.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, we meet LeFou and he trots up with his bag that already looks pretty full to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not an empty bag. This thing would not be easy to to catch anything with. No.
0: And he, like, holds it out to catch it to his left, but then the bird falls on his right, and he, like, glances around and quick stuffs it in the bag like he didn't miss it or something. Which um, it's
1: supposed to, like, make him look dumb, like, hey, you missed catching this bird, but that would be ridiculously hard to do. I mean, <laughs> I played a, I played a little bit of baseball as a kid, and I was not the best at it, but still, it was, it was pretty hard to, to catch something that's flying at you and, like, judge accurately where it's going to be and then be able to catch it and you know this is a big bird so it's easier than a baseball i guess but you've also got to get it in a sack and the sack is heavy and he's a little guy um so i can't really laugh at him too much because i doubt i'd be able to do it either
0: yeah i was just thinking his hand-eye coordination probably might not be the best but i mean i don't know i can't fault him too much for it i was never that good at baseball or things like that so yeah Um, So first of all, let's talk about his name real quick. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get more into into, this
1: into the character.
0: Yeah, so most people probably know this, but LeFou in French means the fool. So subtle, Disney, very subtle. Um, At creating this contrasting character to go with Gaston, our villain. Um, But, okay, one thing that I wanted to touch on for a second was that two seconds where he, um, glances around and then stuffs the bird in his bag because, and that stuck out to me because I think it's interesting that he's aware enough that he doesn't, he knows he did something that maybe Gaston would ridicule him for Uh. or something. And so he is checking around to see, okay, can I play that off and pretend like it didn't happen so that I won't be ridiculed or um, knocked in the head? Because, I mean, he gets knocked in the head by Gaston a lot (laughs) and that sort of thing. So, I mean, to a certain extent, he's not... There are all these characters that we perceive when we are watching it growing up. Okay, he's dumb. Okay, he's mean and also dumb and all these things, but they're actually have a little bit more to them than you initially think. Also, another thing about LeFou is that he's constantly stoking Gaston's ego as we're gonna, as we see like a little bit later on when he starts talking to Gaston, which I mean I guess if he's basically just a tag along and trying to always stay on Gaston's good side it would make sense that he would do that.
1: Yeah and he's he's a little guy so I mean just looking at at his physical stature there's a reason he wants to be around Gaston because Gaston is popular everybody likes Gaston right. and you know he's a big strong manly man and Lafou is a little guy so he Probably had a pretty rough childhood, you know, probably the runt of the litter all the time. Right. And now he's still a pr- very small guy. So he's trying to get into that limelight of uh, of being with Gaston. And that's, you know, his ticket to be part of the in crowd. And so if he has an and he's got to, you know, act kind of silly sometimes to, you know, provide comedic relief or to build up Gaston's ego, that's what he's going to do.
0: Right. Right. Good observation.
1: It's not the first time. And not the last either in this movie that we're going to see names that are correlated to, to what the character is supposed to be. And so we have Belle, which, you know, means beauty. Uh-huh. right? And then, um, we'll see with a few characters, mm-hmm. their naming is, is kind of like that obvious Disney, like this is the character named this because of what he's supposed to be in the movie or because he is a candlestick.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Or a clock. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, then we meet Gaston immediately after that, which uh, did you do any research about like his name? Because I didn't know anything about his name.
1: I didn't, but I, as far as I know, it doesn't have any uh, significance.
0: Yeah, it's um, so it's a has a Germanic origin, but basically and it was first used in southern France. May I point out mm. once again? Um, but it means basically like guest or stranger, which doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of meaning for his character to me, but still good to know. Um, so I don't know why they chose that name, but it works.
1: Yeah, it's a name. So
0: (laughs) it's a name. (laughs) So, okay. Something that I thought was really interesting when I watched this was... Um, when we first, very, very first see Gaston, um, he is standing in half shadow.
1: Yeah. He's kind of like, did you notice that he's, he's like hanging out back there? Like, I don't know. He, he's not like hiding, but he kind of is.
0: Yeah. Well, and I thought it was really interesting because the very first time that Belle meets Beast, he's standing in shadow Mm. and then he comes into the light and in this one gaston is standing in the shadow and comes to the light interesting Interesting. right um so i thought that was very interesting how many times can i say that (laughs) (laughs) um and then he's carrying around this bundle of pelts yes
1: i wanted to i have always wondered (laughs) like as a kid seeing that growing up and watching it's like what is that because I mean, at first I used to think it was like an animal. Like, okay, he was hunting something else and now LeFou is carrying around his his hunt. Um, But if you look at the pelts, I mean, they have to be pelts because there's, you know, several different types there. And LeFou is carrying around. If if that was an animal, it'd be too heavy for him to to lug around, supposedly. Um, But they're weird. Like, there's like a raccoon tail, I guess, coming out the back. Yeah. But then the top is some kind of an animal, like orange, I guess. I'm kind of colorblind, but... It looks orange to me, but it's got little antlers and (laughs) paws in the back. Yeah. And I don't know of any animal that has antlers and paws. So I have no idea what he's been hunting.
0: I don't know either. I didn't, I guess, notice the paws and the antlers. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I think that um, the biggest thing that this kind of can indicate to us is his... Um, status and his um, oh, what's the word his status as a hunter he's a killer he takes trophies and that sort of thing was what kind of stood out to me about it and it's kind of gonna set up his character that's the word, <laughs> um, so that we know what he's like <laughs> it, by the time the end comes around which also is an interesting because Um, LeFou tells him, No beast alive stands a chance against you. And I was like, Ooh, setting it up, Disney. Lots of little hints in there. Uh huh. Um, but I wanted to talk about how his gun and his quiver of arrows. First of all, he has a quiver of arrows and he doesn't have a bow with him.
1: Well, I've I, I noticed that as well. But then if you are thinking about like your typical bow, um, it's not something that you actually carried around like strung and ready to shoot all the time. You would It would just look like a, st- a stick or a staff. You and would string it yeah, when, you need, string it when it. you need to use it. You know, we could say that, okay, he's done hunting with the arrows. He just happens to carry the quiver on his back. And his bow's got to be around there somewhere. But it's unstrung and uh, just lying around, so...
0: Which I must say... Uh, well, we'll talk about it later. But those quivers, I guess, are important because he uses them ah, later
1: on. I didn't even remember that.
0: Uh-huh. Um, But we'll talk about that later. So... The gun. I found this really interesting article about the gun. What stuck out to you about the gun, Bobby? You knew what kind of bun- gun it was. Yeah, in the first yeah. Place. So
1: it's a blunderbuss, which is an old kind of rifle, um, and it uses you know black powder and a ball and flint and steel to ignite it. So the reason that it has like this bell curve at the end is because you of how you have to pack it and how hard that was to do during that time period. So you'd have to shove down like a wad of paper in the bottom. And then put in black powder and then put in your shot, which is usually a ball or several small balls. And then you put in another wad of paper and you'd ram it all down there with a rod to pack it in. And then you could get off one shot and then you clean it and do it again. So they're definitely not efficient weapons or quick weapons, um, but it's what they had at the time period. And I've actually um, been able to shoot black powder rifles, which is the same setup, uh, but. Without without the, really? the bell at the end of it, and I can testify that it is hard to load those things without the, <laughs> without the bell on the end um, that the blunderbuss had.
0: Yeah, well, something that this article points out is that they were designed for people who were um, trying to load their guns while they were riding a horse. Yeah. So that's pretty big deal because I believe was weren't these types of guns originally used in the military?
1: yeah yeah that's you know you sent me that article and yeah um, I'm glad that you did because I was planning on doing research on it and I didn't have time and wouldn't have been able to go as in-depth I guess it wasn't an article it was a, a Disney wiki or something but the guy that that wrote it I guess was a big gun buff and you know he's talking about how you know it's used in the military for like you said for for the mounted troops because it is really hard to pour powder and and shot down there and pack it all when you're riding around on a horse and Like I said, I've done black powder rifles um, while I was running on foot. It was for like a Civil War reenactment type of thing. Um, And that's hard when you're on foot, but riding a horse would be even worse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that – so this article was from Ah. Reddit.com. And he was talking about – Disney and Gaston's gun and um, I thought it was interesting that he talked about his the barrel and so um, I guess he said that this was probably a repurposed gun. And um, that his theory was that Gaston's job was that he was the game warden for the town, which I thought was very interesting. I didn't even think about what his job in the town would be. Yeah. Until I read this. <laughs> <laughs> People have, and I was have like, jobs. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but I guess because it, there were lots of laws about who could have a gun and who could shoot and that kind of thing. And so he would have had to have permission to be carrying that gun around and to be shooting things. And um, he pointed out that that may have been one of the reasons why Gaston was so popular is because he would protect them from feral wolves that would come into their town and he would um, make sure everybody had meat and food to eat, which actually kind of makes sense why his stuff is hanging all in the um the tavern the tavern yeah sorry I was going to say saloon but (laughs) it's a tavern (laughs) because I had that question I was like why why does he have all his stuff in the tavern
1: I was always confused about that as a kid because I mean we'll get to the tavern later but I was you know I was like is that his home he decorated it he decorated it (laughs) his trophies why are they all there but it seems like a tavern but but it seems like it's his home and so that makes sense you know like he hunted and he did all that for the town and so right you know he put the trophies there for for the town to display and that wasn't necessarily his home at all but uh he probably spent a lot of time there
0: right So um, something that this guy points out is that his gun in the movie has a band on it um, instead of pins. And so um, possibly it was either a cut down musket or... um, like, salvaged parts from two different, um, which I thought was interesting. I had never really noticed the band, and I don't know enough about guns to have known that they were <laughs> pins. So I was like, interesting. Um, and then, yeah, that's, I thought it was interesting that his idea was that Gaston had to be pretty smart actually to do his job, to be able to repurpose that gun, because he probably did it himself. He probably made his own, um, ammo his own like balls and his own <laughs> his own, his own
1: shot and powder
0: <laughs> his own shot and powder whatever it's called i don't know um so i thought that was a very interesting take on gaston that i wouldn't have thought of yeah
1: i mean he's obviously popular um and knowing based on that guy's theory of of the gun and stuff he was actually very intelligent And had to be very good at what he did, which, you know, would only make him more popular because it's not just anybody that could go around shooting animals and and keeping the village safe that way or the town. Um, So it's definitely an interesting We should probably link to it in the notes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, we can do that. But okay, in contrast to that, that he's like this great guy shot and gunsmen and stuff like that i did think it was rather interesting that he points his gun directly at bell i did not
1: even notice that
0: he points his gun that does not have a safety from what i understand (laughs) directly at bell and i was like um gun safety anybody but it's to me it was like indicative of how he views bell he set his sights on her. He's aiming his gun at her. He is going to hunt her down. He is going to get her, bag that prize, and he doesn't care. He is going to get what he sets out to get, which just...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the things that I wanted to comment <sighs> on. Um, and I, Like I said, I didn't even realize he was pointing the gun at her at this point, but he's very nonchalant about how he treats his firearms throughout the movie. And uh, he definitely doesn't follow the the four rules of of gun safety. (laughs) uh, So even though it's not loaded and he couldn't possibly shoot her at this point, you're not supposed to point rifles at people.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there's that. also, so he's like focused on her beauty. Right. Right. And... I I do think it's interesting that aside from the bald lady and the the chateau seller, he's the only one who actually sings about her beauty, isn't he?
1: No, no. There are a few other people like in the beginning.
0: He's not? There are a few other people? Okay, just kidding. So the song (laughs) is over a few minutes, so it's been a little while. But uh, um, I do think it's interesting. Well, not interesting, but he just... Is just focused on the, on all that beauty, and then he's wearing tights, really tight tights, <laughs> tight tights, and and I'm like, okay, he's funny. Thoughts? What other thoughts do you have?
1: Do you know who the actors are for um, Lefou and Gaston? We can talk more about them in depth, yes. but but who are they?
0: So let's see. I think I had my notes in a different minute for them. Um, then we'll talk about it another day, but yeah, we'll get to. We'll get to the actors, I think, in the next one. Um, Really quick about Gaston, um, Sally, our researcher who has been helping us get on top of all the things about this movie, um, sent us some notes about Gaston that I just wanted to like touch on some of those notes because they're really interesting. So the original French tale does not have a Gaston in it. It just has. It originally says that Belle had many suitors um, in her life before they became poor, which is another tale we'll get to. <gasps> but um, she had many suitors. Well, then in the 1946 film La Belle La Bête, I don't probably said that wrong, but um, which was directed by Jean Cocteau, um, they have a suitor that's named. Avant, Avant, I don't know how to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Avenant, Avenant, I don't know. Who seems like this awesome guy at first, but then it turns out that he's really shallow and he doesn't care for anything except her beauty. And he decides that he's gonna rescue Belle and kill the beast, but he ends up like being killed by an animated statue when he gets to the castle. (laughs) And so he's kind of the precursor to Gaston. And apparently Don Hahn, who was the producer of our film, told the animators, okay, don't look at the TV version or that film version. We're going to make our own. But apparently you can still see a lot of Gaston in this Avenant guy. So... That's kind of where we can see the beginning. Um, and I guess we can talk more about the animator. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the animator. <laughs> Maybe in the next episode, because there's lots of interesting things about him and what he went through to come up with um, Gaston's look. So is that all the time? All right. we, is that all we have time for?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the last two notes that I had were just real quick. And that's the, uh, the sign that is by the store that, that Gaston is by. Um, it it means like money. So it's like a tea kettle or a pot or something that's, I guess, the money pot. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, we hear him start singing. So he, he's talking a little bit to the foo and then he starts singing about how he's going to, he's going to marry Belle and he's starting to reveal his plans and his voice is just so amazing. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. He's, he's supposed to be a bad guy. He's he's not focused on the right things in his life, but <laughs> he can sing.
0: Yes, he can. That voice actor did a fantastic job. I also just want to add on that Belle is like standing there talking to that lady. Well, she's actually not talking to that lady. The lady's putting something in her basket. She's buying something from her, but she like doesn't even look up from her book. And I love Belle dearly, but I think it is kind of funny and a little rude that she didn't even like put her book down for this exchange with the lady. But it's like keeping your eyes glued to your phone while you're at the register at the grocery store. I mean,
1: not very polite,
0: not the most polite, but they're creating a tableau for us. So I understand what they're doing. So I can forgive it it's not necessarily characteristic but it's necessary to help us establish her love of books
1: <laughs> all right well that's all i have for this minute is that uh, is that everything for that's you that's it for me we've gone i think this is our longest episode to date but we met some important characters and we talked a little bit about them where can people go to find you if they want to get in contact with you
0: you can find me on facebook i have a page and you can find me at jh voiceover So, pretty simple.
1: And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, be sure to check out other Movies by Minute podcasts. This is all started by the Star Wars Minute guys, this format of talking about movies uh, one minute at a time. So, if you haven't listened to that one, go over and check out the Star Wars Minute podcast. They have a ton of episodes. I think they're on like the fifth movie that they're doing. Something like that.
0: They're awesome. They're amazing.
1: (laughs) They've been doing it for years. Uh, So, be sure to check them out. Uh, over at star wars minute and you can go to moviesbyminutes.com to see a list of all of the movies by minutes and then there is another group the dorowskis that are doing a disney animation movie essentials podcast and that right now they're talking about snow white and the seven dwarves so if you love snow white if you love disney go check them out i think they're about halfway through that movie and that one's really good you learn a lot about early disney stuff and as for us if you head over to Growlermedia.com, that's where this podcast lives as well as our Facebook page and Twitter. If you look for Beastly Minute, you can find us there, and that's where you'll find me. And until tomorrow, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Our theme music is by Duo Hansen.